1: listener questions live on the orange and black insider bangles podcast getting you set for memorial day weekend i'm anthony kazenza joined by my partner in crime john sheeran getting set for the big weekend ahead buddy
2: yes i am it's memorial day weekend and i hope that you and yours are have some nice plans i'm for some reason my camera's all out of focus or something that I, I can barely even see randall he's basically a, a figment of <laughs> easier though some blurriness yeah he's here though um, someone uh, asked yeah, I, I, I'm going to try to get this fixed for our YouTube guys. Uh,
1: well, we're here. We're answering questions from you all. This is your show, your opportunity to come on here and ask us uh, some of the burning questions on your mind as it pertains to the Cincinnati Bengals. There are a number of different ways to get in touch with us. You can call or text 949-542-6241. We've already got a few texts rolling in. We have a handful of live chats going, whether it's on the Cincy Jungle Twitter account where we're streaming live, the Orange and Black Insider Twitter account where we're also streaming live, or the Cincy Jungle Facebook page, the, uh, gosh, what am I missing? The Oh, the post on cincyjungle.com. There's a comment thread there. So no excuses. Even if you're partying, getting your party started early, on this friday no excuses to not get questions in and get answered we're going to get to it though john that lead off for us man to use a, another sports analogy uh where where are we going first
2: man like <laughs> you, you put this one in our little private chat first and i think we got to we have to get to this cuz this is kind of a loaded question and we, we need to take all the time we have so i think it's from the bengal Four on twitter mm-hmm. rank each quarterback a, each opponent's quarterback and weapons against those of Burrow, including Mixon. So I've been, I went on like our lads because they have like that one handy dandy page where you can see every team's death chart. And I have, a, I think at least five or six that I would take clear over the Bengals and everything else might just be a coin flip based off of what we think we know about this team. So in, in your mind, when, when you think of the upcoming schedule, which teams do you think the Bengals have completely outclassed in terms of weaponry and quarterback talent.
1: Well, it's funny because I was just in my car not too long ago and I was listening to everybody's favorite talk show host, Colin Cowherd. And uh, he and Joy Taylor were kind of going back and forth and they were talking about Joe Burrow being back at OTAs and Tyler Boyd saying, you know, this in this article's up on Cincy Jungle also, Tyler Boyd talking about how Burrow's going to be the guy to take him to the Promised Land, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, and they started gushing about the weapons. All of a sudden, you know, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and and Jamar Chase being added to the mix. I mean, I the 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 problem here is small sample sizes for these guys, if not any at all, at the NFL level. Um, there's some injury stuff, especially when it pertains to mixing and not. But I think all systems go. All potential reached. This has to be a top five group. Uh, at least conversation top five group, if we're talking all things working the way that we hope and that it should with this entire group because of the weapons that they've amassed at at the offensive skill position areas. Now, I didn't know if the question specifically, and I'll I'll pull this up to share. I don't know if the question itself was specific to who the Bengals have on the schedule this year or just all the way across the NFL. But I mean, if if you're looking at this, these skill positions and it, they said, so even on this radio show, And Colin Cowherd has not been the most supportive Bengals guy uh, out there. I mean, they are saying this is, this is a, a pretty scary group, regardless of how many wins they end up getting this year. I mean, that's, it's it's going to be a pretty scary group for other teams to face.
2: The on paper talent. Is undeniable. And I think that's the whole reason why it gets propped up like that. Like there were so many pre draft conversations about it, but now that it exists, it's a reality. You have to face the reality, in that the, the talent is undeniable. And I think when you look at who they're going to play this year, I think by and large, like 100% sure you have more confidence that they can match the firepower of these teams. The Bears, they play week two, 100% with Andy Dalton, presumably a quarterback, and even Justin Fields. Even still, you have Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney. That's a it at receiver. The Lions, I mean, they're more or less a joke in in all honesty on offense. They have a great offense line, but that's literally about it. Um, The Pittsburgh Steelers, I think at this point you're confident that they've ascended them and there's not much to worry about on the offensive side of the ball with Ben Roethlisberger, where, where he is right now. The Jaguars have potential, but it's not as concrete as the Bengals, even though they have the number one pick at quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. The Las Vegas Raiders, I think Derek Carr just kind of is who he is. And there's a lot of questions at receiver with that team. I think when you look at teams like the Vikings, the Ravens, the Browns, who that's like at least five games right there. So that's already like 10 games I just covered on the schedule. And those last three opponents, the the Ravens, Vikings, Browns, I think that is where it gets really heated and really close when you compare each one. And you may take Joe Burrow over, a couple of those quarterbacks, maybe all three of those quarterbacks that I mentioned, but the weaponry around those quarterbacks is where things kind of get um, evened out. But then, I mean, no one's going to put the, like the Bengals over the chiefs at this point, as long as Aaron Rodgers is playing with Devonte Adams, I think you would take the Packers on paper with that. But yeah, I think at this point now, and you can go through a couple more opponents that they have, like the San Francisco 49ers. We don't know if Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play in that game, but I think the true strength of that offense is really the, the play caller and like the receivers have talent in Brandon Now you can de- Debo Samuel. But again, that's why you have Jamar chase T Higgins and Tyler Boyd to match up with any of them. So I think that becomes a, 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 a wash if you will, or maybe even favors the Bengals when, it ter- when in terms of overall skill players. So right now the schedule looks tough, but on paper, if you just want to look at the, the pure talent on offense, the Bengals have outclassed at least a third, maybe almost mm-hmm. a half of their schedule. And a lot of that is within the AFC North.
1: It's all, yeah, that's a great point, the the division aspect. It's all about how quickly can they grow up, how how quickly can they get caught up, especially after the last last off season where they didn't really have the true training camp and all that kind of stuff. Um, how how quickly can they uh, how quickly can they get acclimated to the system? And you know when you're talking about other teams in this division, Lamar Jackson, et cetera, You know there are specific systems in place that really benefit the the QB and uh, the the weapons that they have. You know you got your J.K. Dobbins and the whole stable of of running backs that Lamar Jackson has had uh, while while with the Ravens. So I I mean it's it's how quickly can this group grow up? Namely, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, uh, after missing a portion of last year, but Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, still still growing into the. Into an NFL wide receiver, how quickly can they grow up? And of course, you know how how quickly will they integrate into the system that's being created? That obviously suits all of the strengths of that core. And and I mean, we're talking obviously. We go to the kind of the obvious people: Burrow, Boyd, Higgins, Chase. We didn't even mention Odden Tate, who a lot of people love as a wide receiver. For you know, th- there's a possibility that they make another addition somewhere out there. Maybe one of these undrafted free agents kind of of the last couple of seasons impress them. But um, you know, this is, this is a deep question, but
2: um, you know, there, there's a lot to it, I think. Exactly. And I noticed that you didn't even give an answer because of how tough the question actually is, but I mean, that's, it's May injuries are going to happen. This, and this question is going to evolve, but Right now, I think they're they're pretty set to compete with most teams on the schedule. Where, where are we going next, man? I think we might have a call coming in at the moment. What what record is Randall predicting? For I think this season?
1: Uh, we got a call on the line here. What, what was what was the question you you had there, John? Before we get to the the call.
2: Oh, uh, he's asking what what record is Randall predicting for this season? He's not. going Oh gonna yeah, make a
1: we got to hear from Randall. Randall's
2: been a celebrity today. What? what come is on, Randall? you're not going to put him on the spot like that. He's got until <laughs> September to wait. He's going to bide his time. He's, yeah. He needs he's, all the information to come in.
1: I got news for you. Randall's got nothing but time back there. That that guy, given his his state of, of, he's got nothing but time back there. I think <laughs> oh, we've man. got Terrell on the line. Terrell, how are you?
0: How you guys going?
1: We're doing good, man. We're doing good. It's Memorial Day weekend. We're getting things started with I'm a bang here.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm actually coming back home from Florida. I, was, I went back to uh Orlando for my uh, daughter's birthday. Oh nice. I'm not coming back home today. Nice. I'm literally in the airport. But uh I just uh I think it um I think it probably about like two big hats around down in Florida. But uh I just got to say uh I got to say man that, that that girl coming back Practicing, even just showing a little something, though they just they just made the city just just feel so fulfilled, man. And um, I gotta say that um, we got a lot of hungry young um, players that that's ready to make their mark on the team. And um, I gotta say that I'm just glad about the training camp. We finally got a training camp. We finally got OPA's. We finally got. Uh, just Everything going? got you can see the new guys train. Um, I think I think Puka Williams is
1: the third best running back on the team. Um, uh, you think Puka Williams is the best running back on the team? Third best running back. On oh, the third team. best running back. I thought I thought you said I thought, you I said thought the, the best airport drinks are getting too much. Wow, we're we're really calling a shot here. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, think, I think he... He's third
0: best.
1: Go ahead. Uh, I, what I was gonna say was uh, I,
0: I'm I'm a little I'm just hoping Trey wins, be at least a step above Kirkpatrick this year, and I know that's what his, his his comparison is, but I just hope he be okay. I think Hilton uh, Cheeto gonna be is gonna be okay. Um, uh, Jesse Bates is just a leader, man. He's just an uh, all across leader, man. I, I met him. I met him down at um, uh, over in UC. This this was just a class act, good good dude. Um, I just I just uh, I just hope, and real quick, I just hope that he finally gets the Pro Bowl. I hope Joe Mixon finally gets to the Pro Bowl. Um, I already feel like, like the boy got snug. You, it, it's a, it's a shame that guys can get barely two yards that play for the Steelers and they can make the Pro Bowl, but just because we play for the Bengals. And we root for them, though. We we, we, uh, we could get 300 yards
1: rushing. We still can't get in. Wow. That's that's kind of the – until they start winning and winning the big games and uh, gaining a little popularity, that's kind of the deal. But, Terrell, fly fly safe back home, man. It's good to hear your enthusiasm. Good to hear that you are um – you're seeing some – I, yeah. uh, I don't know
0: if you caught me on um, Ace, and I was FaceTiming Ace. I a little FaceTime y'all one time.
1: All right, we'll do that. We'll get we'll get you we'll get it set up. We'll get it set up.
0: Yeah, but uh, I just 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 the whole overall. I think Jack, if this is and the on, the on the chocolate block hot seat, I believe is is uh, Lou, and that's that's all I got for
1: but... you. All right, Troy. We'll fly safe back home. Glad you had some good time with the family. Glad you're seeing some Bengals representation in Florida, and uh, we'll talk soon, bud. Thank you. Have a great All thanks. right. Thanks. We had uh, a couple more calls come through, too, during um, during our convo there with Terrell. So if you called and you didn't get through, call feel free to call back. We'll try and get you on. That's a good. Uh, he kind of talked about a, a few things, but one of which John kind of parlays nicely, I think, into uh, one of our other texts from the nine three seven area code. You know, talking about Lou Anarumo, the defense. Uh, you know, he mentioned cornerbacks, Jesse Bates, all of that. And the, the question we received from 937, the text message, do you think the improvements on defense will be enough to cover up Lou's deficiencies? Um, I, I think to me, it's all about health. And this is still, Lou is one of the, uh, kind of a, a rookie coach himself when he came in with, with Zach Taylor and company in terms of the, the position he was given. He was a guy that they, I don't want to say they settled upon, but kind of. Based on,
2: (laughs) based on other people, kind of about it. No, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, so uh, I mean, it's a big year, as Terrell said. It's a big year for a lot of these people to to put up or shut up. I think Paul Blanton in the chat said that as well. But do you think that they have done enough, starter wise, depth wise, in the draft, everything to be able to kind of overcome maybe some of these inefficiencies that Lou Rumo has as defensive coordinator, and/or does he finally have the pieces? that will eliminate those deficiencies that he has shown over the first couple of seasons.
2: Well, I think the the, the question was like, do you think the improvements on D will be enough to cover up his deficiencies, lose deficiencies? We don't even know if they've improved on defense. We just know that everything's different. There's a lot more money thrown against the wall to, to make it better. We don't know if they're better yet. We don't know if they have a true pass rusher that can win one-on-one matchups like Carl Lawson, Carlos Dunlap in his prime could do or Geno Atkins in his prime could do. They have a lot of new faces, and you like to think that the new faces are going to be better than the old faces because the old faces couldn't do jack shit when, when they're up against the wall last year, but we don't know if they're going to be better. Like It's the same defensive coordinators, a bunch of new personnel. We don't know if the personnel's better. We just know that the personnel that they did keep, they're solid players, including Jesse Bates, who if Terrell saw McCains at UC, he might have even saw me. I've been, I've been a frequent... Um, mem- um customer there in years past I, I feel good about the depth i feel better i should say I, should, I feel
1: better about the depth now where we're i think we're all kind of worried on defense is maybe some of the star power that you lose in a william jackson a carl lawson as starter players but i feel that they are far better prepared to withstand injuries maybe even multiple injuries at certain positions and that puts them in a much better place than the last couple of seasons now unfortunately John the last couple of seasons it's like an injury hits a position group and then it hits again 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 and And all of a sudden we've talked about this they're they're using street free agents and whatnot to come in here and start football games I even vie for a possible spot on the roster they're starting regular season football games so I feel like the moves that they made in the draft this year in particular, going real heavy on offensive and defensive line. I think they are in a much better place depth wise to withstand, you know, the potential devastating injury, a ravaging of a, of a position group. That's where I feel better
2: about things. That I will agree with. And every team will suffer injuries. And It's just about who can manage it better and who, whose depth will be able to step up and at least produce Decent results that will not cripple the offense the, on the other end. I want to go to the Facebook comment section from Frank Randolph, and he addresses to me, but I want us both to answer this question. Give me your numerical number rating on a scale of 1 to 10 on last year's offense line starters player-by-player player versus the projected starters this year. Um, so are we... Uh,
1: is this like a Jonah Williams is a seven of 10 or like, what What are we,
2: how are we doing this year? I think like that's baked into the answer, right? Like each of the five players have their like number attached to it. And maybe it adds up to a number out of 10, or maybe just like overall thoughts on the five last year compared to gotcha. this year. And that ends up being a number. So if I, if I were to put a number on last year's group, they had two decent starters and three, less desirable players we will put them at that probably like a three. I think that's probably fair. You could put Hopkins and Williams and they add up to probably like a three and everyone else. Okay. Maybe three and a half. Sure. Who says- um, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so three, you're talking about last year's group, a three, th- three okay. out of 10, three, okay. three and a half
2: out of 10. Fine. Okay. Three and a half out of 10 this okay. year. I think right now five and a half, maybe six, I think that's that's fair. Potential to be six and a half, seven. Also, potential to be four, four and a half. We don't know yet. I think the average right now, based on the expectations, based on who they are right now, based on who they can be, I think five and a half is about right compared to three and a half last year.
1: I, I would be hard pressed to disagree with the three-ish type of ranking of last year. I guess I guess I would say you know maybe I'll just price prices mm-hmm. right you here and say a four. Uh, instead of a three and a half on last year's score for me. I think this year for me right now is maybe a six, 6.5, maybe upwards of a seven, depending on who starts and how things play out. I'll I'll say this though. um, You know, the areas in which the Bengals were really bad last year and really the past couple of years sacking the quarterback, forcing turnovers, protecting the passer, running the football. I think if you get those areas, To be, You don't need to be outstanding in those areas. You already have a quarterback who many believe is outstanding even after the injury and still recovering right now. You've got the uh, outstanding skill position players. To me, if you're kind of like around middle of the pack in those areas and then you've got Joe Burrow coming back and he's going to play at a level that you expect him to play, you've got these exciting weapons. I I mean, I, I think that's a recipe for a pretty good season. If you got some of those areas shored up enough where you're not 28th or worse in like run defense, jacking the quarterback, getting, you know what I'm saying? Like if you are around that top half, that that middle pack of the league in a lot of different metrics and, and rankings, I think that that will lead to a really respectable season and a, and a really fun season. It's, it's those, Peaks and valleys, mostly valleys in those really critical areas of the football team that have led them to have six and a half wins over the last two years. So, I mean, if they if they are a a C C C-minus group up front on the offensive line, that's better than the D-minus, F-plus group that we've been seeing over the past couple of years, in my
2: opinion. Good enough offensive line, a good enough defense mixed with a hopefully – top tier quarterback and top tier receiver group that does have the recipe for success. And I think that's what they sought out for. I think that's why they addressed the offseason the way that they did because they knew they had a lot of work to get to good enough at both offensive line and defense. And that's more or less I think what the plan is. So yeah, that's about right. Where are we going next? The we've got a lot of people asking for
1: statistic predictions. I thought this one was a pretty good one from Royal Flush Terry, who mm-hmm. leads the Bengals in sacks this year. On our in our live YouTube chat, uh, man, I I would like to say Trey Hendrickson because of the amount of money they invested in him in free agency, but I think it's going to be someone not so expected. Maybe it's a Joseph Osai, depending on how quickly he grows into a role. It may be an interior defensive lineman, you know, uh, depending on again, how effective or ineffective the rest of the, the line is. So I will say this. I'll say, I say I'll say it'll be Trey Hendrickson because I think he'll be out there for a lot of snaps. And I think because he's a guy who, for better or for worse, had some sacks that were coverage sacks last year, I think the Bengals have a lot of solid defensive backs and a lot of depth at defensive back that could maybe create a couple more coverage sacks than we've seen the past couple of years. So I will say Hendrickson, probably low hanging fruit answer there though, but I will say Hendrickson with about seven or seven and a half.
2: I had to remind myself really quick, how many sacks the Bengals had last year. And it's not even old enough to vote 17. (laughs) Like if, if we expect them to improve, like there's like there's ample room for improvement, obviously, but how much, is the improvement jump going to be? Is it going to be all the way up in the forties? I don't think so. That would require at least one person to get double digit sacks. And I don't think that should be the expectation. I know Trey Hendrickson at 13, we can go through the, how that happened and uh, that whole discussion in itself, but say they get to like 30, a jump from 17 to 30, maybe your leader is like eight, seven and a half. And I think that could be either Hendrickson or Hubbard, I think DJ Reader could be a dark horse in that sense, or it could be Larry Oganjobi. Mm-hmm. I think what we'll end up seeing is that we'll, have, we'll see like four or five guys in that four to seven sack range, and then the leader ends up with seven and a half. And I, I could see that honestly being Hubbard. Um, if it's not Hendrickson, maybe there's a lot of attention drawn towards Hendrickson because of his contract and Hubbard kind of takes advantage of one-on-ones more than he's done in years past. But I think seven, seven and a half is a fair expectation for the high end of what you should expect Sam Hubbard to do in a single year.
1: I would agree with that. And I think they do to your point too, they do want to have a lot of different rotation in the middle of their defensive line. That's why they've gone after a lot of different interior defensive line players, both in free agency, in the draft they didn't get everyone they wanted to in free agency but they got they got some before we get to more questions I want to remind everybody you can give us a call or shoot us a text 949-542-6241 you can email us the ob at gmail.com you can leave us a tweet with your questions you can also leave them in the cincy jungle live chat on the post that we have running there and then of course the live chats and youtube facebook twitter all that good stuff uh, John, before we also move on, would you like to tell the folks
2: about Symbol? I would love to tell the folks about Symbol. Symbol, if you guys do not already know, which if you don't already know, you must be new here, is the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams just like stocks. really is that simple. Symbol has set up their entire trading station where you can invest in NFL teams, NBA teams, MLB teams, each team has a symbol price attached to it. And that price fluctuates based off of you guys, the users. And it really is that simple right now. The Bengals are still the most expensive team on the SIM NFL market, with the chiefs coming in at second place, it takes over like 60 bucks to invest in one share in the SIM Bengals, And I'd like to think that's a lot because of you guys, we've been partnered with symbol for about over for almost two months now. And there's been a lot of activity. We've seen a lot of positive support for symbol in the comments section here. So if you guys want to become a part of symbol, you should visit www.simbull.app. That's www.simbull.app backslash OBI, O-B-I, and enter the promo code OBI to get a $10 deposit bonus when you sign up. You don't have to just invest in the Sim Bengals. There's, again, NFL, NBA, and MLB teams for you guys to diverse your portfolio and get get in on some of these winnings. Symbol
1: is a uh, a great partner of the program. Again, as John mentioned, get that ten dollar deposit bonus when you sign up using the promo code OBI, of course, short for Orange and Black Insider. The graphic that you see there, twenty five dollars a share, not really indicative as to where the Bengals' value is at, as John mentioned, but you can still make some money off the off of the Bengals. You know, if you're a savvy uh, stock trader, whatnot. You can, you can make some money there, and it is a fun addition to those who like to do some fantasy football. If you're into sports betting, this is just a different way to have some fun with the football season, but invest, make some money, and, of course, keep an eye on those bangles. And if they make the leaps that we're talking about making, uh, you can make yourself some good money there. John, was it your turn or mine? I had lost track there uh, to pick the next. I'll, let, I'll, I'll have you do it. I'll have you do it.
2: Yeah, I was going to go to. We had a text from the 519 area code, and this texter asks, How many starters will the Bengals get out of this year's Mm -hmm. draft class for the next two to three years? So I guess by 2024, how many starters will the Bengals get from the 10 picks that they just had in this year's draft class?
1: Within, you know, by, like you said, by 2023 or something
2: like that. Yeah, Um, so like, yeah, three years down the road. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think Carmen. Now, are we talking starting, playing well? You know, I, I, guys who will start. Right. It, it, it,
2: you're, you're good enough to, to maintain a starting job.
1: Yeah. I think Carmen. I think, uh, well, you're going to have Chase, obviously. Um, I, you know, I, I, I waver on is Osai going to be a niche player? Or is he going to develop and be, I mean, you had a, a hype article, I think from Jeff Hobson on bangles.com saying there's this other guy in Pittsburgh named TJ Watt, blah, blah, blah. You know? So it's, it's kind of like, Oh man, does he become a guy like that? Or does he, you know? Um, so you've, you've got that. Uh, I, I think you're going to get another starter out of, one of the other offensive linemen, whether it's Deontay Smith or whether it's uh, Trey Hill down the road. I think one of those guys are going to develop. So I think your goal is always to kind of, you know, if you have seven or eight picks as a team, you know, you'd love to get one or two starters, another two, to, you know, two role players that are very valuable. And then you kind of gamble with the rest. But I think if you're asking me now, you've got Jamar Chase, you've got Jackson Carmen's going to start for you at, at some point. We hope that 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 works out. And then I think I'll go with Deontay Smith as a guy that, that develops into a starting tackle, maybe down the road uh, that, that they like.
2: Does Evan McPherson
1: count? I'm, Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of caveats, right? Is does Evan McPherson count? Do we also add in the UDFAs because there may be some guys there, slot receivers and such that could contribute. Punt returners, I don't know. Um, You know, you heard you heard Terrell talking about Puka Williams. Maybe he's a guy that sneaks on the roster and does some things for you. But that's, I mean, I guess in terms of the the 22 offense defense, those are the guys I would see. And then, yeah, of course McPherson.
2: If we were to add McPherson, I would say five, and that's Chase. I, I I will say Carmen becomes and continues to stay a starter three years down three years down the road. And then, yeah, I would agree that Deontay Smith has the best chance compared to a guy in Trey Hill, even though um, Trey Hopkins isn't going to last with the Bengals forever. He'll eventually will get some chance to contribute, but I think the plan would be for Deontay Smith to eventually become a starter, at least by year three. And we talked a lot about Osai and even Cam Sample and Tyler Shelvin but like what they have right now. Defensive line is a lot of kind of long-term stability. You have Trey Hendrickson under contract for four years. You have Trey DJ reader under contract for three years. You don't really have a long-term pass rushing defensive tackle behind Larry Ogunjobi. And that wasn't really addressed in this draft class. You think that cam sample is going to take some snaps of that position. That's not really where he's going to like, I don't think he's going to start at defensive tackle. He's just going to take some snaps there. So if Osai is still a decent player. He, he can become what Carl Lawson was in the first three years uh, of him playing. But he, but I think you're also operating under the assumption that Sam Hubbard is going to get extended. He's going to be a starter for as long as, I guess, Trey Henderson's also on the team. So you have your two starting defensive ends. But if you want to consider, like, your third defensive end as a quote-unquote starter because he's still playing, like, 25, 30 snaps a game for how much you rotate and how much you have to rush the passer and have – you know, as many pass rushers on the field as possible. I think you could make some type of of a qualification for a side to, to technically be a starter. So that's Chase, Carmen, Osai, Smith, McPherson. I believe that's five, unless I just completely counted wrong.
1: No, I think that's correct. And yeah. again, it's just you know, do you, if you count the kicker, then yes. I mean, that's that's a, a four for me. But I think if you number one, if you get five starters
0: best case um,
1: for sure so yeah i mean that that's that's pretty that's pretty awesome but i think that also makes up a bit for some of the the lackluster stuff we've seen in some some recent drafts including um you know some question marks coming out of that first one under zach taylor so um you know that's that i I think there's a lot of promise in this but again it's reaching that potential what kind of role would they be given and how soon you know, I, I do like Trey Hill as well. I, I worry about the knees, though. He has issues with both knees, so I you know I don't know how even if he does gain a starting position somewhere along the offensive line, I don't know how long those those knees of his will hold up. But we'll see. Uh, you just grabbed one of our text messages. Um, let's see where are we going next, John? You had one, I think. That was I'll let you take that one because it was I think. To you, I'll let you go next on that one about Suofilo. Hmm. Uh, This, there's one from Fred Taylor. Not so much a question, but it was. It's kind of an interesting comment. It seems like a lot of projections don't account for the extra game this season. A lot of season records should be set this year, and I think that's going to be. I, I guess that's just an interesting point of conversation because. Is is this a year? Do you start looking at things with with asterisks if season records are broken, whether it's passing yards, receiving yards, touchdowns, all that kind of stuff? Do you start looking at statistical anomalies with this with this year, um, or is it just kind of how it's gone in the ebbs and flows of time, where it's like, well, that's just how it used to be. It used to be a sixteen game season. That's not how it is anymore. So now you got to count for one more game full of statistics.
2: Yeah. So I, I don't know the exact year that had changed to to 16 games. I believe it was in the seventies. I want to say when they went from 14 to 16. And that's when the majority of these Bengals records that you're looking at ha- have been, have been set. There's only been four seasons where the Bengals have had a 4,000 yard passer. And when you think about the history of Bengals quarterbacks, you'd think there probably should be a little bit more than that, but you know, Ken Anderson didn't play in an era where they passed the ball that much. And the same could have been said for Boomer Sison. So you had Carson Palmer do it twice Andy Dalton do it twice, and Andy Dalton is currently the record holder with 4,293 passing yards. I would have expected Joe Burrow to like average that. If the NFL stayed at 16 games for the entirety of his career, if Joe Burrow gets 17 games this season, I think he's easily breaking the 4300 4, forty-three hundred-yard passing yardage mark. Um, so that's that's just one. Like I, I don't think Jamar Chase is gonna catch. Uh, Chad Johnson or A.J. Green's receiving yardage records. I don't think he's going to get to 1,400 just yet this year as a rookie. That's really tough to do. I think Justin Jefferson barely did it last year, and he should have won Rookie of the Year. Rushing yardage, you have Rudy Johnson at the top with 1,458. I don't think Joe Mixon's going to get the ball that much. Top that, remember, Rudy Johnson ran the ball 337 times, 361 times the two times that he rushed for over 1,400 yardage. And on defense, like... I don't think anyone's touching Coy Bacon's unofficial sack yeah. record or, or Carlos Dunlap's official sack record. So if I were to bet on one, I think Burrows easily breaking forty three hundred if he stays healthy.
1: Well, that's yeah. I mean, it's definitely possible. And uh, man, that the the days of Rudy toting the rock. I mean, and and they were still throwing the ball a lot. They just had the ball a lot. They just had the year. ball. They had so yeah. many turnovers. They'd always yeah. have the ball back. They just had had the ball a ton there. Uh, let's let's go to the one that you got. It was a, a tweet, I think. Was it directly to you from Tom Jackson? Or was it? I, I, I'll have to look for that one.
2: Yeah, I, I just asked for questions on Twitter at John double underscore Sheeran if you guys aren't following. Um, Tom Jackson at TJ underscore Jackson underscore RF. He's asking, why was Xavier Sufiel getting first team reps at right guard instead of Jackson Carmen, who needs them far more than the veteran who won't be playing right guard? Well, that's what we think. That's what we thought was going to happen. We thought that Carmen was going to be the start out of the gate, but it makes sense in OTAs to have the veteran out there at a position that he played last year over the rookie who has never played that position before in his life. Again, I don't think this is indicative of what is going to end up happening. It's definitely not in stone. If you're just asking for five guys who have been in the NFL before and have played these positions before and you just want them going through the motions and – Giving everyone else an idea of what this new scheme is going to be like when they're playing in shorts and shirts, that's fine. I think, I guess the one minor surprise is having Suofilo at right guard and Spain at left guard. It was it was going to be a question of if those two guys are out there, who's going to play which spot? And that's kind of what we talked about on Wednesday's show because they're both natural left guards. But you have to think that Suofilo, who's under contract for two more years, and he had the experience at left guard, maybe he would have gotten shot over Quinn Spain who's right now playing on on a prove-it deal for about that minimum so maybe it's more surprising that Spain is getting out there as a starter but you know before he got to the Bengals he was renowned as a quality starter in this league which is more than what you could have said about Suofilo so it goes back and forth both ways but I think it with in this specific case you just kind of want veterans out there and not really think twice about it
1: I don't know if this tweet from Tom is and I don't know if that's Tom Jackson from ESPN and NFL primetime or not, but we would be honored uh,
2: Tom, to have you on the show, man. Yeah. If, if you are that Tom Jackson.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, but it, I don't know if the, if the question is like out of stemmed out of concern, like why, you know, jet, we drafted Jackson Carmen. He's a second round guy. Coaches apparently have big plans for him. Why is he not starting right away to me? If, if he wasn't going to be starting in either OTAs or training camp or something, uh, you know, if there was going to be an instance where he was not going to be the starter, Carmen that is, I would prefer it to kind of be this way where he gets more reps in training camp in preseason to not only get acclimated to things and the speed of the game, the the strength of the opponents and all of that, but just to get more rep- repetitions and more in preseason, more actual game snaps, and I think that this is just kind of like, hey, you know, we've got we've got some veterans here. We're going to give the veterans the tip of the cap in OTAs, and we're going to give them the the start here. By the way, Dan Horde, who did relay the starting offensive line lineup, uh, did say, you know, kind of take this take what you're seeing with a grain of salt because there could be a lot of movement. Uh, and shuffling around, and a lot of competition at some of these spots. I mean, Billy Price is at center, or at least he started at center in OTAs because of Trey Hopkins' injury and recovery. So, I mean, there there could be still some moving parts by the time the next couple of months roll around. But also, this Suafilo is a guy that uh, Frank Pollock is probably trying to. Uh, w- wasn't wasn't Pollock with him in Dallas? If I if I remember correctly, uh, were, uh, they, were believe, they
2: linked together? Uh, I believe Pollock left before Suafilo. Okay.
1: Well, regardless, uh, Suofilo was brought in with Turner, so he's got to kind of get in the good graces of his new offensive line coach there. So, you know, that, I, I wouldn't sit here and go, well, what's going on? Why isn't Carmen getting the start right now? It, it You'd like to see him out there immediately in OTAs, but I think... You know, if it, if there is a time to panic in terms of, you know, what's the potential here? What is he looking like? I think we need to start looking at September, the preseason games of what we're seeing in some of those games, those practices and where the starters are at that point and and kind of gauge it from there. If this is indeed a question about kind of panicking on Carmen, where else uh, do we? Oh, I had one here, John, if you don't mind. Uh, it's from James Hawley what are your opinions of the Kayvon on Frazier pickup? He is the safety who has played in Dallas and Miami, um, kind of bounced around a little bit, been in the league a few years and really again, for me, more depth, not a lot of statistics to his name is a guy who was drafted. I think, or, uh, started playing in the league in 2016. I'll have to double check that, but Mm -hmm. 73, 73 total uh, tackles to his name in that time. So really I think there's, there's, there's a special teams role here. There's a rotational role, a depth role, and maybe, you know, kind of filling out some things. And I know you have mentioned that the Bengals had some roster spots to fill out anyway, after the draft. Um, So I I think in some ways this makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people were hoping for an offensive line addition, maybe another pass rusher, but pickings are a little bit slim there. And we know that Lou Anarumo, the former defensive backs coach loves, loves, loves to collect defensive backs, especially as the coordinator of the Bengals. But your thoughts on the Kayvon Frazier pickup?
2: Uh, All I know is that he played for the Dolphins last year. So I guess Marion Hobby put in a good word for him. He played with the Cowboys before that. And I don't know if there's anyone on the Bengals defensive staff that worked with the Cowboys from 2016 to 2019. But he's just been in the league for a handful of years. I think he just has some minor experience as a rotational guy. Probably has special teams um, experience to his name as well. I I would just think that this is a guy that Hobby knew. They wanted someone else to fill in at safety behind Ricardo Allen and Brandon Wilson as the reserves of those respective spots. So he basically joins Travion Henderson as a fellow third stringer at the position, but just like the Joe Batchy um, signing at linebacker, this basically rounds out those position groups to make sure that they have enough bodies to get through training camp, I would assume.
0: Yeah.
1: And we've got another text coming through here from the 5-1-3, I believe it's from Dre. What what kind of record could possibly lead to, we're just we're just flip-flopping topics here. What kind of record could possibly lead to Zach Taylor being fired mid-season? Well, we know uh we gotta double check. I think the bye week, which in which something w- w- I guess would be a barometer if Zach Taylor is in, in the Bengals are not doing well. The bye week is week 10. And that comes at a very interesting time, John, because the Bengals would then have come off of a home game against Cleveland in Week 9. We know, know, know Mm -hmm. that how much Mike Brown just hates the Cleveland Browns, the Brown family, the disdain that they have for the Cleveland Browns. If the Bengals are not doing well through the first nine games of the season and at home they have an embarrassing loss to the Cleveland Browns, that might be a death knell for Taylor and or the step. The problem is is it, who do you I mean, do you give the, the reins to Darren Simmons? Do you give it to Frank Pollock in that in that case? I don't really want to go down that rabbit hole at this point because optimism's high. I think things are moving in a good direction for this team. But for the sake of playing devil's advocate, I guess, and the, the question that we received from Dre via text, what would it take? record-wise for the Bengals, especially <laughs> looking at that Browns game right before the bye week, what would that take um, for the Bengals, a normally patient team to go, yeah, we're done?
2: So what, what would that be nine games leading up to that point? Yeah. I, I would say if he's one and eight, I think he's gone at that point because you're not really expecting to win more than a handful of the remaining games, and that puts you at like four and 13, five and 12, at that point, it's basically the same as last year. Yeah. And maybe there's something catastrophic that happens because of that record. And maybe that would be reasons to give him another chance. But you have to think if they don't make, like, at least decent progress, excuses, and injuries be damned, that he's going to get his leash kind of extended here. Um, if he's like treading or if he's on the direction of picking in the top three or five again by midseason, I think that would be what would constitute his mm-hmm. early firing at that point.
1: And just to remind everybody, this is on bangles.com the schedule here. Week one uh, hosting Minnesota at Chicago week two week three at Pittsburgh week four hosting Jacksonville week five hosting green Bay week six going to Detroit week seven going to Baltimore week eight. So you've got three road games in a row, two of which seem to be pretty winnable games in at Detroit and at New York. Then you have that barometer game, I guess against Cleveland at home and you've got the bye. So, and we went through the schedule. This is kind of a little bit of their easier port. We we know they've got kind of a a murderer's row at the end of this uh, season there with, you know, Cleveland and Kansas city. And I, you know, so, I mean, Minnesota, that doesn't seem to be an overwhelming game. Minnesota will be uh, scrappy and probably decent, but that doesn't seem to be an overwhelming game at Chicago. Chicago's got a a good roster, but they've got questions at quarterback. It depends on who's playing and how good those, those, those respective quarterbacks they have look. Could be a rematch against good friend Andy Dalton. And then, of course, Pittsburgh. Which Pittsburgh are you going to get? Are you going to get the one that the media thinks is taking a big step backwards this year? Or are you getting the usually competitive, tough Pittsburgh team in Heinz Field? That's going to be a tough one. And then Jacksonville should be a a fun one with Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, that should be a game at home that the Bengals potentially uh, take that one, hopefully. And then, of course, Green Bay, who's quarterback there. I mentioned Detroit, Baltimore, Jets in a row on the road. And then, of course, you've got Cleveland there. So, I mean, there should be some games there that are, are winnable, and the Bengals should. There's not, not really an excuse to have one win with this roster by the time the bye week hits, I guess is kind of the message I'm trying to convey. It just seems that seems like a very, uh, an incredible, under, underwhelming type of performance if that's where the Bengals are at that point.
2: In conclusion, don't expect it to happen. Don't expect <laughs> him to get fired there. Um, right. If he does get fired, it will probably be at the end of the season. But as our good friend Paul Blanton in the comments section knows, Mike Brown will probably not fire a coach, a head coach before his contract is expired. And we don't know the length of Zach Taylor's contract. So that will be a mystery. I wanted to get to this question real quick before we mm-hmm. wrap it up from Royal Flush Terry on YouTube. Over under five and a half made field goals of 50 plus yards for Evan McPherson as a rookie this year. I got some I'm data to, in the back of my answer, but I want to I want to throw it to you first.
1: Uh hell, I'll go over. I, I haven't I haven't researched it yet, so I'm gonna have to look at, at the kid stats a little bit. I'll say I'll say over. I mean, why not? I think they're gonna try more. Uh I think they're gonna it oh, was it over. I'm looking for the question. Is it 55 plus? Oh, over five works? and
2: a half made of 50 50 plus yards.
1: Right here. I think I found it. Okay. Over under five and a half made of 50 of 50 plus. 50-plus makes me a little more confident in in over – so that would be six kicks of 50 or more yards um, by McPherson this season. I mean, I'll have to look at the kids' stats. I I, I know I looked at them after they drafted him, but I don't have them at the top of mind. I'll have to look again. But I think there are going to be more attempts that the Bengals make from further distance. I think they're going to have more confidence in this kid's leg. I think that they're going to uh, try it out. And I, I, I think that – hell, I can't get – much worse on long kicks than it has been over the past few years with whether it's Randy Bullock or others. They just haven't had the strongest leg kickers. It's probably crazy and pie in the sky thinking that what I'm saying is going to come to fruition, but hell I'll just say over. Why not? But It'll be six. It's not going to be like eight. (laughs) Right.
2: Because eight is the most that a kicker made beyond 50 last year. Brandon McManus was eight of 13 from 50 plus last year. Right. Yeah, Ho yeah. Ko of the Falcons was 7 of 7, and I believe oh. he made the Pro Bowl because of that. Um, Rainey Bullock was 2 for 4. Now, the difference between number of kicks, 50-plus yards and 55-plus yards, is like 90. There was 144 kicks of 50-plus yardage last year. There's only like 52 of 55-plus. So there's a lot of kicks between that 50 and 54-yard range. And I do agree that there's going to be more kicks attempted a 50 plus yardage and they won't be they won't be so timid to like punt in those situations because they feel confident that they have a kicker that at least is going to get it there but also it may not be like they're going to lead the league in kicks over 50 yards because i think we're seeing less kicks from that distance because teams are more aggressive and more inclined to actually go for it and i think when you look at in terms of like neutral game script and like where, where it's not like a desperate situation to go for the Bengals are still relatively aggressive when going forward in those situations. And I think if you have confidence in the, in, in the offense and you're not really necessarily going to be blowing out opponents and you're going to need to continue to score points. Yeah. They'll have more confidence in their kicker, but I think they'll also have more confidence in their offense to go forward in those situations where you won't necessarily always have to use McPherson's big leg to make those 50, 50 or 55 yard field goals. So five and a half, there's still only five kickers made five field goals last year of 50 plus yards. So I'm going to go under just because that's like where most kickers actually end up. But also I don't think they're going to be addicted to kicking those field goals because unless you're in like a fourth and 10 or fourth and ace type situation, I think the Bengals are still going to be interested in putting as many many points up on the board as possible because they're not going to be in a lot of blowouts games uh, in their favor.
1: The going for, yeah, leave it to you to, to make me look ignorant. Uh, the the going forward thing, the Bengals have been going for it quite a bit. And whether that was with Joe Burrow or not, I mean, they were behind on the scoreboard. So they just went for it a lot on fourth down especially as the season wore on last year. But um, yeah, the hope is that the hope is that, you know, McPherson turns into kind of a Justin Tucker type of guy that can be consistent from a lot of different places on the field. And if they have that kind of confidence in him, that only strengthens what they're trying to do on offense and, and, you know, I mean, they've made a, a pretty, pretty high investment in the kid for for it being a kicker. So, um, it, you know, I, I'm just kind of, I was kind of having fun with it, but I, I would not be surprised to see see him be a bit more successful than some of his predecessors here, John. It would not be a listener question show unless you got a Thad Moss, a Thad, <laughs> a Thad Moss question. I know. You love you some Thaddeus Moss. Uh, Chris Hubbard, good friend of the show. Uh, do you think Thad Moss will make the Bengals roster come September? We did see him arriving on the field. I believe it was with Joe Burrow the other day um, walking onto the field. So we saw his uh, first look at him in a Bengals uniform. I think I'll just start off with this because I, I, I know how much you love Thad Moss questions, but I will say this. I think if Thad Moss is to make it anywhere – In the nfl and have his best shot at success i think given the limited athletic profile that we saw in pre-draft workouts and whatnot i think it would be in an offensive system like this with a quarterback in which he is comfortable and had some really nice moments with in 20 um 2019 so i think his best shot at having a, a, any kind of successful in NFL careers, probably with the Bengals because of the comfort level with Joe Burrow and, and the system they are running that has a lot of LSU verbiage and or uh, looks to it. That's just my take.
2: I get Chris Hubbard's angle here, but I have no problem with Thad Moss being the third tight end after the Bengals claimed him off of waivers. and mm-hmm. He's on an undrafted rookie contract. That's exactly what Thad Moss should be. So, yeah, I do think that he makes the roster. I was looking at the video when he and Burrow were crossing the street. I'm like, that Moss is holding a helmet. I wonder if it's Burrow's helmet because I made the prediction that like Thad Moss is just going to be here to carry Burrow's pads around so he doesn't have to put more pressure on that left knee. But, no, I, I would love to have Thad Moss on the show, though, because, I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming the son of Randy Moss has a lot of great stories and, obviously, the best friends of Burrow, he would have a lot of insight. So I do, I do hope that he makes the team. I do hope that he sticks around and he could eventually – become a friend of the show because I think he has a lot to offer, not only as a third tight end, but also as a great story for Bengals fans.
1: I would be pleased with it also. I mean, if you've got CJ Uzama, you've got Drew Sample, and you have Thad Moss there as your, your three guys at the position group, each bring a little bit something different to the table there. Why, why not? I mean, if he proves that he's capable, he proves that he can do some things in this offensive system and, and he b- brings value, I have no problem with it. But it's not, again, you can't just bring guys in that Joe Burrow knows just because. They have to also prove that they can do things at the NFL level. They can be productive roster members and and show that when their number is called, whatever that may be, that they can answer the bell. And uh, hopefully Thad Moss does that. I would like to see him latch on with the Bengals, and obviously that it's not even just you know the benefit of, of Thad Moss too. It's it's you know obviously the, the Joe Burrow side of the fence as well, where there's a, a relationship there. And I think that, I think they were best buds and roommates and all that kind of stuff, right? So um, yeah, I mean I, I don't see I, if he shows to be productive and comfortable in this system, I, I would have no problem with it. Hundred percent. Anything else we want to get to before we hop on out of here?
2: Yeah, there was this one question from about yeah. ha- a half hour ago by Ceiling Cat.
1: Okay, I'll he, see if he
2: was he was asking: okay. Football is played with helmets and pads. Your pro days are in spandex. Why not work these guys out in the same equipment they use in game to get a real assessment? So they don't get injured. I'm not trying to be snarky at all, but I feel like that's about as simple of an answer as you can as you can get, so they don't get injured.
1: Yeah, I, I I do understand.
2: (laughs) That is a, a well, I, I, I I, I, I think I took it the wrong way. Obviously, he's not talking about tackling people, but I think Johnny Manziel was the one who was in a a helmet and pads in his pro day. It's, it's not about that. It's not like they want to get a good visual on how guys just how they do. And they want them to have as clean of a pro day as possible. And, the, the less variables that you can have with that, the better you're not, these guys aren't going up against contacts. So there's no reason to have helmets and pads. So yeah, I, I just wanted to clear that up for him.
1: Yeah. It's, it's an interesting question. I was laughing though, about the, not only the, the name, but the avatar, if you see the avatar there, there's literally a cat poking through a, a ceiling. tile. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty, it's a pretty funny avatar. Um, but if uh, the, the only thing I could say that would, that I really would say, okay, yeah, I I see what you're saying here, ceiling cat, is they do – I mean, if you're a quarterback, if you're a wide receiver, you've got shoulder pads on, you've got a helmet on, that's in a game, and that's what you're catching footballs and throwing footballs with on. Now, if you're in shorts and stuff, I mean, that that doesn't emulate game speed. That doesn't emulate – you know, because you've got extra weight, extra pads, extra, all this kind of stuff on. So I understand that side of things, but, uh, you know, I mean, that's just how the workouts are designed. I think part of it is because of injury issues. And part of it is, um, you know, I, I I think that I I don't want to say this, maybe there's some, you know, the agency side is involved where they want to make sure that, like you said, their clients are showing, giving the best possible showing they are clocking the best times in their, in their dashes and whatnot. And uh, you know, I, but I do see the, I do see the argument a little bit of, you know, why aren't they using the equipment they use? Not necessarily, you know, hit guys hitting each other and whatnot, but you know, I mean, your, your vision is different inside when you're looking through a helmet, as opposed to not wearing a helmet, your speed is different. Your movements are a little bit different. You but you know, I mean, kind of is what it is. You have to probably ask someone a lot smarter than me to get get a true answer there. But really interesting question, in and in from someone with one of the best <laughs> avatars I've seen in a long time. That's a good. That's a good uh, image, there, John. Anything else, bud?
2: Uh, I think we ran through all these questions. Yeah, we um, went through a lot of them. Yeah. Zach, David, use an S next time, not a dollar sign.
1: <laughs> well. I, yeah, what was that about? Um he likes Anyway, you, yeah? yeah? Well, that's good. Well, that's good. Uh, well, thanks everybody for submitting your questions in a number of different ways. Sorry if we didn't get to yours. We tried to get to as many as possible. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. And, uh John, anything else before we say adios to all these people? Even Zach David with his uh, lovely compliment of us.
2: Yeah, I think, I think Randall wanted to say something real quick.
1: Oh, he must have lost. it. Never mind. We're um, good. No, he got stage fright. All right. That's all right, Randall. Next time. Everybody, enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. We'll see you next week with more content. Keep it to Cincy Jungle for, for all your news, opinions, analysis, all that good stuff, as well as our podcast channel, which includes this amazing, amazing show, along with the others from Ace and Zim and Chalk Talk from Matt Minnick. Those are high-end programming as well. So check all of that out. We will see you all. Enjoy your weekend. Take it easy.